Glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, it's always an honor uh, for me to be given the opportunity to, to teach and preach on a Sunday morning. Um, if you've been coming here the past uh, few weeks, you know that we're in a series on the church, what it means to be the church. And so we've talked about uh, some of the things like the body of Christ, we're the family of God, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, a holy nation, citizens of heaven. And this morning we're talking about the fact that the Bible calls the church the flock of God, God's flock. And so we're going to be primarily in John chapter 10. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 10, you can begin turning there. But before we dig into chapter 10, I want to give us a few points of uh, introduction to the gospel of John. And so the apostle John wrote his gospel so his readers would believe that Jesus is the Christ and have life in his name. It's his purpose for writing the gospel. He tells us this towards the very end, chapter 20, and John, he says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's his purpose for writing. We as the readers should read it and hopefully come away believing that Jesus is God and that we can have life in him. So that's why he wrote the gospel. Let's talk about what's going on in Jesus' life by the time we get to the 10th chapter of John. So the events in John 10 happened in winter during the Feast of Dedication, uh, what we call Hanukkah today. It was a few months before Jesus would be crucified. So uh, we're not too far removed from Christmas season today. Uh, Hanukkahs have celebrated in Christmas. We're a few months away from Easter, so roughly same timeline to John 10. Okay, they're in winter, we're still in winter, it's a few months before the cross, or a few months before the first Easter. And so Jesus, in his ministry to this point, he's been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of teaching, he's rubbing shoulders with a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with him, and because of that, John's been describing the escalating conflict between Jesus and the Jews. They don't really get along with their theology and their teaching. There's a lot of conflict between them. So a quick example from our text, actually, of the conflict between Jesus. We're reading through verse 18, but if you look at 19 to 21, you see conflict after what Jesus is about to tell us. You see the Jews saying they think he's demon-possessed or they think he's a crazy person because of what he's about to tell us in John 1.18. So it was a very, you're either for him or against him, okay? And so our big idea is what Jesus is gonna teach us in John chapter 10 is that we as the church are the flock of God. The church is the flock of God. So let's go ahead and dig in. John chapter 10, we're gonna start in verse one and we'll read through verse 18. This is Jesus talking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not, enter by the sheep, does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them 
but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so that's God's word. Before we continue, let's stop and pray. God, we're grateful for your word. God, we view it as inspired. It's our authority. It's 100% true. God, I pray that you would just sharpen us by your word this morning. Pray that we would live more in line with your word day by day. We ask this in your name. Amen. So before we move into kind of the application part of John 10 and what it means for the church today, the flock of God today, I think it'll be helpful for us if we back up and go into the Old Testament and see glimpses where God mentions the flock of God in the Old Testament first. So we're going to talk about the flock of God in the Old Testament. So the first point about the flock of God in the Old Testament is that God wanted Israel to think of him as their shepherd. God wanted his people, the nation of Israel, to think of him as their shepherd. Uh, Jake's call to worship this morning. The last verse he read referenced this idea. He said, we're the people of God's pasture. We're the sheep of his hand. He's the shepherd. We're his flock. We're his sheep. Uh, perhaps the most famous reference to the idea of God as our shepherd is Psalm 23, where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Clearly, in the Old Testament, God wanted his people to think of him as their shepherd, their leader, and they're the flock. They're the sheep. God is the shepherd. His people are the flock. But God also wanted Israel to think of their leaders as shepherds. Notice this one's lowercase s. See the hierarchy here. God is the capital S, or the chief shepherd. The leaders are the under shepherds. There's a hierarchy. The job of, of the, the leaders, the human leaders of Israel, was not to point the flock to them, get them to follow themselves. It was to get them to follow the chief shepherd or the good shepherd. So let me give an example uh, in the book of Psalms of God calling a human leader as a shepherd. Psalm 78. It says, God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hands. 
God describing how he took David from shepherding a literal flock of sheep into shepherding God's people, Jacob, Israel. God took David from the sheepfold to shepherding his own people. Okay? There's a number of examples in the Old Testament of God calling Israel's leaders shepherds. I just give you David because in many ways David is the one who became the model for the ones who followed after him. If you were here for our King series uh, a while back, we, we would read about a king and at the end it would say, this king was good, he was like David. Or it would say, this king was horrible, he was not like David at all. And so in many ways David became the example for the others that followed after him. You could say David was a good shepherd in the Old Testament. He was a good shepherd, but not a perfect shepherd. If you read through First and Second Samuel, let's see, David was not perfect shepherd by any means. But he was a good shepherd in the Old Testament. In many ways, David was the one that the prophets talked about. Another one's going to come like David, another shepherd. Jeremiah 3. God give Jeremiah this revelation. God says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. God's telling Jeremiah, I'm going to give you shepherds who will be like David. They're going to follow after me like David did. So when I read that, I think, I wonder how those shepherds ended up doing. It says they're going to shepherd like God's own heart, follow God's ways. I wonder how they do. Well, it doesn't take long in the book of Jeremiah. We just turn a few pages over. Jeremiah chapter 10, God says to Jeremiah, the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered, and all their flock is scattered. Jeremiah chapter 3, I'm going to give you shepherds after my own heart. Jeremiah chapter 10, your shepherds are dumb. (laughs) Your shepherds are stupid. They don't follow me at all. The prophets rebuked Israel because they followed stupid shepherds, shepherds who weren't like David at all. Now before you think it's only the shepherd's fault and the sheep kind of get a pass on this whole deal, Isaiah chapter 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us. The shepherds have gone astray and the sheep, they do what sheep do. They wander astray. Right? That's what we do. Without listening to the shepherd, we wander astray. That's our natural inclination as the flock is to wander Right? So all have wandered, sheep, shepherd alike. None are blameless. It's really a bleak kind of picture. Your shepherds are not leading how they should be. It's a hopeless looking scenario. However, despite this, despite the present situation, God told the prophets that there would be a day when a good shepherd would unite God's flock. Prophets foresaw a day when a good shepherd would unite God's flock and they wouldn't be scattered. So I mentioned uh, God telling Jeremiah about that day when a shepherd's going to come like David. The prophet Ezekiel was also given this revelation. Ezekiel chapter 34, God says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set up over them one shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. So God's telling Ezekiel, long after David has, has died, there's gonna be another one, like David. He's gonna unite the flock. 
The present situation looks bleak and looks hopeless, but God is, through the prophets, saying, hey, don't lose hope. Somebody's gonna come. One is gonna come like David, and even better than David, and unite God's flock. And that's really how the Old Testament kind of just ends. It kind of ends on this, this cliffhanger. It, it looks horrible right now, but don't lose hope. Somebody's gonna come. I don't know if, if you guys watch uh, shows. I can't stand it when you're on the season finale and you watch the show and they feel it's about to end it and then they just stop it and you don't know the end of the story and if you, you have to wait months before the next season comes out and you get to see the rest of the story and see how it ends. That's kind of the Old Testament. It just ends saying, wait, there's something else that's still to come. There's a next season. There's a next part to this. And so that is when Jesus steps onto the scene in John chapter 10. You get that next season, you could say, where Jesus enters the scene and becomes the good shepherd that the Old Testament was pointing to. So what does Jesus teach us about himself, and what does that mean for us as his flock and as his church in John chapter 10? First thing is the only way to be part of the flock is to enter through the door who is the good shepherd. The only way to be part of the flock is to enter through the door, the door who is the good shepherd. The only right way, the only real way to enter God's flock is through Jesus, through the door. Others will try to enter in different ways, thieves, robbers. The only real way is to go through the door. In John 14, Jesus says it like this. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes except through me. I am the door. Let me give you a picture uh, to help illustrate this of what a... a sheepfold, a pen might have looked like at this time. So you've got walls all around it, and then in one little spot would be the gate, the door, the entryway, through which all of the sheep would go in. And the guy whose job it was for the night to take watch would just sit in the opening and in a sense become the door in and out of the pen. Jesus is saying, that's me. God's flock, the only way to come into God's flock is through me, through the door. You can try to climb in. You can try to break through the walls. People have tried to do that. Those are thieves. Those are robbers. That's not the real way to become a part of God's flock. If you want to be a part of God's flock, you have to go through me. And so you can see why that would be a controversial thing to say. It's a controversial thing today to say that. It was a controversial thing to Jesus' audience to say, hey, I'm in. Only ways through me. Many tried to enter by other ways. Thieves and robbers. In the Old Testament, Jesus condemned the shepherds. He condemned thieves and robbers. In Jesus' day, there were thieves and robbers. He was talking to some of them. There's bad shepherds even today, right? Bad shepherds put the flock of God in danger. Whether it was back in the Old Testament, in Jesus' day, or today, bad shepherds put the flock in danger. They don't protect the flock from attacks within and attacks from outside. Good under shepherds point to the good shepherd. Next, 
The good shepherd knows his flock, and the flock knows him. The good shepherd knows his flock, and the flock know him. Jesus says, verse 14, I know my own, and my own know me. And then verse 15, says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. It's kind of an incredible thought to think about. That Jesus knows us the same way that Father knew the Son. The triune God who existed for all eternity chose to extend that love to his creation. He didn't have to. Perfect, complete, in and of themselves. Didn't need anything from us. But he chose to make himself known to us, his creatures, his flock, and extend that love to us. It's a very different God than the gods of Islam and Hinduism and Greek mythology. It's completely different. Those gods needed humans for stuff. They wanted, made them to do stuff. God didn't actually need us. He's perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Yet he chose, because of his loving character, to extend his love to his creation. And that's how we can know God. The good shepherd calls his flock to know him, but not just to know him, also to follow him. And his flock follows him by listening to his voice. The flock knows the voice of the good shepherd. See, uh, like that picture of, of that pen, a lot of times uh, there would be different like family units in a given area, and they might in the evening all come together and put all of their flocks in like a central pen like that. So you might have four or five multiple different flocks within a pen like that, and they would pay where Jesus talks about hired hands. You might pay somebody. They don't own your, they're not that person's sheep. They're taking care of your sheep. But you would pay somebody to become the door, to become the shepherd for the night and watch your sheep. And when you went to bed and you woke up, you went to go get your sheep. But when you would go there, there would be tons of sheep, other different flocks. And all the shepherd would have to do is call out to his sheep, come here, sheep. I don't know what you said, sheep. Come here, sheep. Come. And they would come. The sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. They would follow their shepherd. When your neighbor went to call his sheep, you didn't have to worry that your sheep were going to go with him. They knew your voice. They knew the voice of their own shepherd. That's the only voice they followed. Church, there's many voices calling out to us today that aren't the good shepherd. Now, some of those voices are blatantly obvious. Okay, like what happened at the Grammys this last week was so blatantly, obviously not the voice of the Good Shepherd. I mean, they're singing a song called Unholy. Can't get more obvious than that. Right? An open, in our face celebration of sin. And voices like that are dangerous because they make sin seem fun and seem enticing, especially to a younger generation hearing those kinds of voices and and being influenced by them. But there's also other types of voices that are harder to discern, whether they're the voice of the good shepherd or not. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He's warning them about the prophets. The prophets are supposed to be God's mouthpieces in a sense. 
They're supposed to be the people that tell people about God. He's saying, watch out for those guys. Watch out for the prophets. Because on the outside, they may look like a sheep. They may look like they're part of God's flock. But they're just doing that to gain your trust just enough so you go along with it before they can destroy you. Jesus warns his flock of this in Matthew 7 and John 10. Do not follow those voices. Do not follow those voices. They're really just wolves in sheep's clothing. Some voices today that sound similar to the Good Shepherd. Voices like the show of the Chosen. Hey, Landon mentioned some of the issues with the Chosen a few weeks ago. The Chosen sounds a lot like the Good Shepherd. It's a betrayal of the Good Shepherd. The problem is that the producers of the show are very, very open about the fact that they're not all that concerned with portraying the Good Shepherd of the Bible. They're all that concerned about that. Another voice like this is that he gets us campaign. You might have seen these ads on TV. If you watch the Super Bowl today, you're going to see them on TV. I pray that God would win people to himself with, with organizations like this, people like this. But my fear is that they both start by asking themselves, how can we mold the voice of the Good Shepherd, mold the voice of Jesus into something that will be popular with our culture? Instead of saying, what actually is the voice of the Good Shepherd that he tells us in Scripture? So the flock has to know the voice of the Good Shepherd so that they're not led astray by other voices in the world. One way the Good Shepherd makes himself known is through under-shepherds. He did it in the Old Testament, he did it in Jesus' day, and he does it today. The job of an under-shepherd has always been to point the flock to God, to point the flock to the Good Shepherd. At the end of John's Gospel, Gospel of John, as Jesus was post-crucifixion, resurrection, he's about to ascend into heaven, he gave Peter this charge. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, of course I love you. We'll feed my lambs. The second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, we'll tend my sheep. A third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Jesus is telling Peter the importance of his role as an under-shepherd of God's flock. And Peter took up that charge. Towards the end of his life, Peter passed on this charge that was given to him by Jesus. He passed it on to the next generation of under-shepherds. At the end of his life, he writes 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The, the job of an under-shepherd is not to point the flock to themselves. It's not to get, them, it's not to get the flock to follow them. It's to, get to, point, to point the flock to the good shepherd. Right, to get the flock to follow the good shepherd, to help them know what the good shepherd said and to help them know what the good shepherd did. And what the good shepherd did is he laid down his life for the flock. The good shepherd laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for the flock. 
Jesus knew he was gonna do this. Three times here he says, I'm gonna lay my, do- my life down for the sheep. Good Shepherd's gonna lay his life down. Jesus was not obligated to do this. His life wasn't stolen from him by a thief or a robber. He wasn't overtaken by a wolf or a hired hand. No, he laid it down of his own accord. He says, I lay my life down. Nobody takes it from me. And in laying his life down for the flock, the good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. Good shepherd becomes the lamb. It's the great reversal of the gospel story. The good shepherd becoming the sacrificial lamb. In the Old Testament, a shepherd, when it was time to sacrifice, he would take a lamb and he would go and sacrifice it. The lamb would would die so that the shepherd could live. Jesus comes on the scene here and he flips the whole thing. He says, I'm the good shepherd, but as the good shepherd, I am gonna be the one that dies. I'm gonna die for the sheep. I'm gonna die so that the sheep can live. Not the other way around. And on the cross, the good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. He laid his life down so that the flock could live, so that we could live. Church, that is what we hope in, the foundation of our faith. The good shepherd became the lamb and gave us life. That's the voice that we follow. We follow the voice of the good shepherd who laid his life down for us, who defeated sin and who is now alive and reigning over the world today. And so we're gonna end this morning by singing about that news. We're gonna sing about the Lamb of God who died in our place so that we, could hit, we as the flock of God, could live. Would you pray with me?